It's time for Sounding Off with Phil Goff. Morena, Mayor Phil Goff, how are you this morning? Atamari, eh, Rachel. I'm good, thank you very much. Um, yeah, spent the day and yesterday uh, downtown to Wellington for the Queen's Memorial Service. So, a bit unusual for me to go to Wellington these days. But um, yeah, the uh, the service uh, went off uh, very well. And uh, yeah, just counting down the days now. Only uh, less long. than two weeks to go. So uh, I'm keeping busy. I've got. I'm, I'm, at meetings right up until about eight o'clock, nine o'clock tonight. So uh, uh, I thought I thought it might just calm down a bit towards the end, but it's uh, it's still going flat out actually. Well, it'll be uh, it'll be a relief, I'm sure, when you do get to the finish line. This is a good juncture to remind people if you haven't posted your voting, do that today. Go tell your flatmates and your friends to do it as well. But let's talk about what's going on uh, with the Ports of Auckland review. This was into some uh, accidents that were happening down at the Ports of Auckland. Due to the automation project that was happening down there, a review was, uh, I guess, requested, and we've seen the first findings come out from that. What What are the big takeaways we've seen so far? Yeah, well, look, um, I've been increasingly unhappy with the performance of the ports of Auckland, uh, and as a result, we now have an entirely new chief uh, board and a new chief executive. Uh, it's a, practically a total change in leadership, and, and that began with the... Um, health and safety factors uh, into which I demanded uh, an independent review and that showed that the state of uh, health and safety on the, uh, at, the, at the port was appalling and uh, we've had a total turnaround in how that is being managed. But um, after we put the new board in place, um, the new board looked at the automation project that was underway down on the wharves that uh, you know, something like $65 million had been invested in and decided to can it. Uh, now, uh, they looked at the facts, they uh, looked at the evidence, and I, I'm not challenging their decision. But what I did want to do was to understand how the former Ports of mm-hmm. Auckland could have embarked on the automation project uh, that then was not carried forward to see the benefits from that big investment of money, which is effectively money from the people of Auckland. And the, in, the independent review um, was carried out by uh, a person by the name of Mark Binns. He's a former chief executive of Meridian and of Fletcher's Infrastructure Division. He's a former uh, partner in a major law firm. He's uh, a well-experienced director. And uh, what I wanted was an objective assessment of the process that had been followed in reaching the decision to automate the straddle carriers at the port. Now, I'm choosing my words carefully mm-hmm. because we are under threat of legal action from um, the, the former chair of the port's board. Um, the report speaks for itself. Uh, it found that there were serious issues regarding the process followed in the management of the project. And the report, it's a, it's a brief report, uh, but it's a hard-hitting report, and it elaborates on where mistakes were made in the, uh, the view of the reviewer yeah. um, that led to uh, a decision being taken that was not able to be carried through to finality. I mean, to, to sum it up, what was happening, the straddle carriers were automated, meant to produce huge benefits, um, but the software was inadequate, and on, on at least two occasions, the straddles just went off and did their own thing, which was incredibly dangerous. Can, you know, uh, can, uh, straddle carrier carrying yeah. a, a huge container, uh, running a muck at, at the wharf. So can, um, I, want, I wanted this review so we could learn the lessons from it. 
and uh, all, as with the health and safety, all of the recommendations of the reviewer have been accepted by the new port board and chief executive. Can workers at the ports of Auckland now be reassured that they're going to be safe walking into that workspace in the mornings? Yeah, um, they... Well, there's never a 100% guarantee of anything when you're working in a potentially dangerous environment. But because the automated straddle carriers are no longer operating and we've gone back to a manual system, there is no risk that a straddle carrier, um, that where the programming uh, has, uh, has gone astray, uh, is going to create a risk to anybody else. Um, it was described by um, the former board and chief executive as uh, cutting-edge technology, but... When you do that in the IT area, there are immense risks because nobody else has done it in the way that you're planning to do it, and therefore you have no guarantee that, um, that you'll be able to bring the project to finality. And uh, the, the reviewer found that um, mm-hmm. you know, if a better process had been followed, uh, different decisions would have been taken. OK, well, let's talk about housing now. There's a really interesting development that is going to be happening in Monaco. This is a $100 million apartment complex uh, created by Kainga Order. Now, this is specifically for folks over the age of 55. Why are we seeing this targeted build uh, for that age group? Well, there's a, there's a whole lot of benefits that come from it. It's a, it's a 16-level residential tower with a 123 one- and two-bedroom units. And as you mentioned, it's targeted at the 55-plus uh, age group. Um, what it's trying to do, uh, we've, it, it's a, been a partnership between Ekea um, uh, Panuku, which is a council-controlled organisation, and Kainga Ora as, a, uh, as the public housing provider of government. And... First and foremost, it wanted to target people um, that were in that older age bracket and a lot of whom uh, were, were living uh, by themselves um, in three-bedroom uh, state houses. So there were something like 670 state houses in the county's Monaco area with somebody over the age of 65 mm-hmm. living in it on their own. Now, by moving people into accommodation that is more suited to their needs, um, you free up that previous accommodation, some of which will be redeveloped for more intensive housing and some of which will be made available to families. But it, it's also a, a high-quality development. It's right in the centre of Monaco City. So it's close to the mall, it's close to the supermarket, the park, um, cycleways, library, train station, bus station, council services. That's so, awesome. Um, it's bringing people to give life to the city centre in Monaco, we... uh, which I think is needed. But it's also it's going to be built to a very high quality. Building starts March next year. It's Homestar Six sustainability rating, so you know it's going to be really well insulated. It meets every unit meets the universal access standards, which means that you know people that have got disabilities yeah. can easily um, use those apartments, and it's it's suitable for their use. So I think it's a great development. It's going to help with our housing shortage, make better utilisation of our housing, bring more people and life into the Monaco city centre. So it's really got everything going for it, in my view. This is really, really great to see this. But are we going to see more targeted housing like this for for different groups? Is that something that you're anticipating we will see? I'm I'm thinking also for young families, folks like that, who you know are also struggling to find, uh, I guess, that first step into secure long-term housing, is that something that we're going to see more of, do you think? 
Yeah, well, look, the, the first thing that we need to see more of is, um, is social housing. And to do credit to the current government, they, I think in the last year they added a, a net additional uh, 1,300 um, social housing units uh, to help us deal with the, the housing crisis that we have. And that's a, that's a big change from the past when, you know, at various points the, the social housing has been run down and people said, oh, the market will provide. Well, the market didn't provide and the outcome was poor quality housing, uh, substandard, uh, cold, wet, damp, uh, and, and people that were living in emergency accommodation and things like motels. Mm -hmm. So won't be solved overnight. But the, the idea of targeting the older age group, um, you know, to get better utilisation of existing housing stock, I think that makes sense. But also, you know, with fewer people being able to achieve home ownership over the years, um, when people who are renting reach the age of 65 and give up work, they, suddenly they find if they're in the private market, mm. um, the superannuation doesn't cover the cost of having to pay high rent in a, an area like Auckland. So we need to make more provision um, for an, an ageing population. And as you said before, look, um, there are, you know, what, what Kainga Ora is trying to do now is to say, look, there are, there are situations where some families prefer to live in an, an, uh, an extended family situation. And to try to make sure that we don't do, uh, you know, like we did in the old days, everything was three bedroom. Um, it, one size doesn't fit all. Yep. So let's vary the, the nature of the housing that we've got available to meet the needs in the community. I think that makes sense. Well, let's talk briefly about another big thing that's come out in the last couple of weeks. This is uh, the government has released the National Policy Statement for Highly Productive Land. So while we're talking about uh, intensification and the need for more housing, which is really important, we do also need good growing land. Uh, Pukekohe is a big part of that in Tamaki Makoto. What does the National Policy Statement mean for a place like Pukekohe? What, what's some of the, I guess, the implications for Tamaki? Um, look, the, the, the important thing about this, and I, I very much support it, um, look, we, we need more housing. We've just been talking about that. Uh, but when we build the new housing, let's try to preserve um, our prime and our elite soils. You know, once upon a time, uh, hard to believe for, uh, for, for the younger generation, but Mangari used to be the chief market gardening centre of, of, of Auckland, mm -hmm. and now it's totally submerged in, um, in residential and industrial land. But Pukekohe, the soils there and the north-facing aspect of the land and it's frost-free, all of it uh, makes it one of the, you know, the food baskets of, of Auckland and New Zealand. Yet over the years, we've seen, uh, and particularly under the old Legacy Council, we've seen continued encroachment of building on first-class land, and that means less land available for um, that, that important um, uh, food-growing capacity. Mm -hmm. So what the National Policy Statement on Highly Productive Land does is potentially make it easier for the Council to reject private plan changes uh, and We've been asking for this for a long time, so it doesn't go quite as far as we want, but it will help us, and it will help us to say, OK, Auckland needs more land, but let's build uh, on the, the land that wasn't highly productive uh, rather than the stuff uh, that, you know, 
everybody's been yep. driven through Pukekohe and seen those beautiful brown red soils and how know how fertile productive and uh, important they are particularly being frost free so again this is a step in the right direction it's going to take a couple of years to fully bring into uh, effect but I think it's something that we need to do. Well thank you very much for your time this morning Mayor Phil Goff we'll talk to you again next week which will be our last conversation with you before uh, you finish in this role so thank you very much we'll see you then. Okay, look forward to it. Thanks, Rachel. Kakite. Bye. Kakite. That was Sounding Off with Phil Goth.